Welcome to Lead 360. I am your host, Anthony Waite, and join me as we discuss the principles and the practices to unlocking your full potential by becoming a person of influence and leading a life by example. Welcome to Lead 360. Anthony Waite here. It's Friday, and what I want to start doing is taking questions from the Lead 360 Facebook group. You see, we have a great group of people that are from all over the world that, that come in they share their experiences, they share their knowledge, and it's growing to become an amazing group of individuals who are transforming their life and therefore transforming the lives of other people. And so if you haven't already, go over to the Lead360 Facebook group, request access, my admins will add you to the group, and surround yourself by people of value who are adding value to other people. You see, the law of environment says that your growth is conducive to the surrounding or the environment in which it is in. And that group was created to get like-minded individuals together to share how they intentionally influence those they lead and those they love and ultimately leave an impact during their time on this world. And so if you haven't already, go to the Lead360 group. You can look it up, find it, and uh, my admins will uh, grant you access. But today what I want to talk about, I want to grab a couple of questions from the group and answer them every Friday. And so if you are part of that group, throw your questions in there and let me know what it is that you are working on or towards when it comes to being a transformational leader and having a transformation in your life. Um, you see, leadership doesn't happen in a day. It happens daily. It's rented and, and rents due every single day. And as soon as you become aware of this, only then will you be intentional about showing up every day. Because the truth is, there's days where you don't want to show up. There's days where you don't feel like being a leader. You don't feel like helping other people. And there's some days where you probably can't even help yourself. But the truth is, leaders are discipline-driven, not emotional-driven. What do I mean? Discipline-driven means that I do what's right no matter how I feel. That feeling good is a byproduct of me taking action. And on the flip side of that, emotional driven people are those who take action only when they feel good. And I believe that's where the term emotional wreck came from. Because if you follow your emotions solely on your emotions, it's going to wreck you. You're going to end up wrecking yourself because you'll never take action on the things that you know you should be doing. And so today's questions uh, come from two individuals that I've had the pleasure to meet in person. I had the pleasure of working with, um, having on the calls that we have on Thursday nights, and very awesome people, uh, both in the military. And they brought some questions that I think a lot of us deal with on a daily basis. Um, and I want to address them today and talk around these two topics. Uh, number one comes from Nicole Kimball. She's uh, in North Carolina, Army Reservist. Uh, shout out to Nicole. But she asked, how do how do you resolve conflicts within teams and managing work-life balance? And so the first question is, resolving conflicts with teams, whenever you're leading a group of people, when you're in charge of 5, 10, 15, hundreds of people at a time, the most important thing that we can do as a leader is constantly revisit the mission, the vision, and the goals. For the unit as a whole. You see, oftentimes we are in charge of a lot of people. And if we can't 
manage them on a daily basis and have face-to-face interaction with them, it becomes this mouse on a wheel where they just go to work, they do their job, and they go home. As a leader, it is our job to cultivate a community of people that that are rallying around one common goal, one common interest, and that's the mission of what we're here to do. And sometimes people lose sight of that. They get caught up in the workflow and and the day-to-day grind, and they just say, well, nobody's even appreciated anything I've done. Nobody's acknowledged me. Nobody's helped me to understand why I do what I do. And as leaders, we have to constantly remind and revisit the mission, vision, and goals. Share that common vision and how they fit into that organization, how they fit into that mission, and how are they carrying out the vision of the organization or the team. And then once you have that, ask them to set goals on how they can achieve what it is that they're being asked. You set the expectation by doing this. Another way to manage conflict within teams is get in the trenches. Get dirty, roll up your sleeves, and get down in the trenches with your team. This sets the example and says to them, I will not ask you to do anything that I have not not done or am not willing to do. I'm here for you. I'm walking right next to you, shoulder to shoulder. I'm not in the back cracking the whip. I'm actually next to you leading the charge because when I'm gone, you're going to take the helm. And there's a sense of camaraderie. There's a sense of teamwork, a sense of belonging whenever leaders do this, when they get down in the trenches, because when your actions match your words, now you you really don't have much, you don't have to, to say too much. Your actions speak louder than your words. What you do speaks so loud, I can barely hear what you say. And so when we're managing teams and we have conflicts, one of the things we have to think about as leaders is, are they aware of the mission, the vision, and the goals of this team? And if not, how do I get them all in one place and we rehash that out? Or you find those individuals and and you ask them, what is the mission? What is the, can you share with me the vision of this team and what we're doing? And if they can't, then you know that there's an issue there. And once you have established that mission, vision, and goals, we have to make sure that everybody is on board with that. Now, not everybody's going to be on board at all times, but you need to identify those bad apples, if you will. And there's two things that you need to do, discuss or detach. Meaning, when I find those toxic people, because there are toxic people within uh, teams, there, there are always going to be a few. There's always one, right? We have to make sure that we identify them, we discuss with them the importance of them being on board and the repercussions for not being on board and set a plan of action for them to course correct. Meaning your behaviors need to start being conducive to growth in this organization or this team. And if they can't follow that plan, then we have to look at how we detach that person. Meaning how do we get rid of this person? Because what happens with with toxic people is it spreads faster and rapidly amongst the group. And all it takes is one to ruin a mission, um, a vision, or a goal. And so discuss or detach. And this might take some work. It might take some time. It might take some uh, reaching out to higher authority and saying, how do I remove this individual from our group? Because with this toxic person, he's an anchor, not an engine. And the anchors will weigh you down and they'll prevent you from getting to where you want to be. And nine times out of 10, those people become toxic, so toxic that they do things intentionally to slow us down, 
to stop the mission, to stop the vision, to to uh, infiltrate the goals. And we have to become aware of that very early on so that we can cut that uh, infection out so it doesn't spread. And so when you're managing teams, the best thing you can do as a leader is be what we call on the deck plate with the people that are in the trenches so you understand where they're coming from, so that you get an idea of what they're dealing with on a daily basis. Because a lot of leaders stay at the top and they look down on people and they watch them and they tell them what they're doing wrong. But a transformational leader gets down, rolls up their sleeves, gets in the trenches and tells them what they're doing right and what we can do better. Not what you can do better, but what, what, what we can do better as a team. And then when the change is implemented, the leader's down there leading the change, not leading the charge, but leading the change by taking action. The second question uh, Nicole asked was, how do you manage work-life balance? This is an interesting one because a lot of people are struggling with this today. And I would have you consider that we cannot balance work and life. It, it, to, to balance something, for example, uh, one of my mentors said this. He said, stand on one foot. Balance on one foot. And how long can you do that? You can do it for maybe 30 minutes, maybe 45 minutes. Before you start getting tired, your muscles start fatiguing, and you fall down. The same thing goes for us in our life. We're trying to balance all these things at once. We can do it for a certain amount of time, but it's only a matter of time before our muscles become fatigued, we become exhausted, and we end up dropping something or falling down. I would have you think about this. It's about work-life flow, meaning how do I manage transitions? What I found um, is that whenever you've got so many things that you're doing, for example, I have uh, two kids under five. I am married uh, to my beautiful wife. I have a, a career. I have a business. I speak. I train. I travel. And for a while there, when I got started, it really was frustrating because I was trying to balance all these things. And it wasn't conducive to my my mental and my physical health. <laughs> I was stressed out. I was tired. And what I want you to understand is that you have to put systems in place. Take inventory of what's working and what's not working. Look at your the return on your investment on those things that you're balancing. Obviously, you have to go to work because you have to make a living. But while at work, are you giving it 100% of your attention or are you being spread thin? Where can you start saying no to more things? You see, as leaders, what we do is we, we try to take on the next challenge, the next obstacle, the next job, because we're constantly climbing, but sometimes it's, it, it means saying no to things. And this is going to be saying no to opportunities. It's going to be saying no to people. The, the law of trade-off says that you have to give up in order to go up. And sometimes as leaders, we think we need to take more and put it on our plate when really we need to start scraping that plate so that we have more room uh, to, to lead ourselves, but also to lead other people. If you can't lead yourself, you cannot lead other people. You cannot give what you do not have. And I see it over and over again where people and leaders especially try to take on more in hopes that the return is going to be more, but sometimes more is less. The more you take on externally, the less you have for your internal well-being, the less you have for your internal reflection on who you are and who you are becoming. And I think that's where the sweet spot is, is whenever you have enough on the outside, but you still have enough gas left in the tank to take care of you. And so if you feel like you're getting out of work-life balance or work-life flow, what I would say is managing your transitions. For example, I get up at 4 a.m. every morning 
I come into my office, I read, I meditate, I get right with myself before I go out and get right with anybody else. Because I know as a leader that if I can't take care of me and be the best version of me, I can never help somebody be the best version of themselves. And so I make sure that I prioritize me and I put me first. It sounds selfish, but I mean putting me first in the sense that I'm getting right and getting prepared and primed so that I can go out and be intentional about how I show up for those I lead and those I love. And so it's about work-life flow. When I get off of work, before I come home, I stop at the gym and I either go for a run, I row, I get in the sauna, or I have a workout for about an hour, 45 minutes to an hour. I get in and I get out. But what that does is it helps my mind trigger that it's time to shut off work in, in, in the office and it's time to be the man that my husband, my the husband that my wife wife needs, and and the, the man that my my sons need. And if I don't do that, I re- realize that there's a lot of gray area there, and I drag the baggage from work into home, and vice versa. When I wake up in the morning to get ready to go out the to the, out the door, I prime myself before I go into the office at work because there's a different way of leading. There's a different mindset that's involved. Whenever you are at home and you're, you're leading at work, we try to sandwich the two and think, oh, well, you know, you can just do the same things. I can't talk to my wife or lead my wife. She doesn't need the, the military leader at home. She needs the compassionate, vulnerable, loving husband at home. But I see a lot of people that I, that I lead and that I speak to, they're the same person at the office that they are at home, and it wrecks their chances of success. And so I would have you consider, how do you manage your transitions? And how does this look like on paper? Let me give you some tactics, some actionable items. Take a piece of paper and write down everything you have to do for today. Whether it's, I got to wake up, I got to go to the office, I got to go to the gym, I got to go home, I got to go pay the bills, I got to go to the bank. Whatever that is for you, write them all down. Save yourself five to 10 minutes in between each item that you have to do or each meeting that you have to do and take time to stop, breathe, Sit in silence for about five minutes and think about if my best self showed up in this moment, what would they look like? Visualize really quick what you would do as your best version of yourself if that person showed up in this moment. For example, uh, I sit on a board of directors and when I go in the meeting, I'm there and it's a different way of thinking than if I'm seeing patients and doing sedations and and, uh, anesthesia. I have to prime myself because one of them takes critical thinking where people's lives are in my hands. The other one is making and managing big decisions that influence the masses. And so we have to make sure that we understand what is it that's required of me? What gives me the greatest return on my time? And then lastly, what gives me the greatest reward? Meaning what's required of me, I cannot delegate to anybody else but myself. I have to do it. What gives me the greatest return means that whenever I go into these meetings, when I go into these interviews, when I go into this mentorship session or this leadership, when I step on stage to speak, what's the biggest return on my investment here? Who do I need to speak to today? And last but not least, what is the what, what gives me the greatest reward? Meaning it bears the fruit that I'm after. And I guarantee you a lot of people will say, well, what gives me the greatest reward is when I spend time with my kids. When I show up as the man that my, my wife and my kids need or the spouse that my my significant other needs and my kids. Because when we're not intentional about that, we, we walk around in a fog. We, we, we live by accident instead of by design. And days, months, years pass, and we become a stranger in our own home. 
And I want you to understand that the more and more that you can manage transitions, give yourself a buffer period in between, the more and more aware and present you're going to be, the more and more focused you're going to be in the moment, and the more and more you're going to be able to give all of you to that person that needs you. You see, where our focus goes, our energy flows. And when we're not focused, when we're distracted by social media, when we're distracted by our cell phones, when we show up uh, to uh, a dinner with our with our family and we're distracted by the things at work, we're there physically, but we're there, they're not there mentally. And they pick up on these things. And we have to make sure that as a person who is looking to make an impact, who's looking to be intentional with those they lead and those they love, the number one thing that we can give people is our attention, our focus. Nothing speaks louder than your body language and your actions. The words you say are icing on the cake. But if you're not there physically and mentally, either way, you're checked out. And so I would have you consider that it's work-life flow, not work-life balance. Because balancing something can be exhausting and you can only do it for so long. Uh, Even at the circus, you see people balancing the balancing act, right? It only goes for so long before it falls. And so I would have you consider work-life flow. And so the second question uh, comes from uh, one of my good friends, one of my mentors. He um, is an aspiring naval officer. He'll be there pretty soon. And uh, he is uh, in in the D.C. region. Uh, Mr. Mayo, he's he's part of our group. And he's such an awesome person because he is – if you've seen this guy's drive and dedication, like – and where he's come from to where he is now. I mean, the guy's just crushing it, and I'm honored to be considered one of his mentors. But his hunger for learning and being better and his humility around, even though he is high up and he's doing big things, he still remains humble and never forgets where he came from. And so uh, he asked this question, how do you make decisions? And I would add this, how do successful people make decisions? Because it's not just how anybody makes decisions. It's about how successful people make decisions. And I'll share with you something that a mentor of mine told me a couple years ago. He said, you want to know the difference between successful and unsuccessful people? He said, successful people make decisions very fast and very seldom do they change them. Meaning they know what they want. He says, people that are unsuccessful, they make a decision. They're very hesitant to make the decision And they often change them very rapidly and more times than not. He says, so what's the delineating factor on this? He said, it's the purpose behind why they do what they do. Think about it. If you you know your purpose and you know why you're here and what you're doing, when somebody asks you, hey, do you have a minute? Easily, you can say, no, I don't. Because I'm living on purpose and not by accident. I'm living life by design and not by default. And... People that don't know their purpose, they wax and wing, they flow with the currents of life. We talked about this um, in one of our sessions for our group coaching is when you get caught up in the currents of life, we have to be careful because we can be taken away at any moment by the currents of life, current relationships, current circumstances, current wealth, current health, all these things that happen to us every single day, they happen for a reason, right? Life doesn't happen to you. It happens for you. And when you understand this, you understand that every day we're faced with choices. Every day we're faced with decisions that can make us or it can break us. It can it can define us or it can make us realize how to design our life. And what happens with a lot of people is they live life by accident, not by purpose. 
And so they give their time away freely. And we all have the same 24 hours in a day. If I was to give you $24 every single day for the rest of your life, how would you do? What would you do with it? Would you give it away? Or would you save it, hold on to it, and give it to those that really needed it? And the same goes with our time. And when we make when we make decisions, we have to understand, does this align with my purpose? I've been asked to speak on a lot of stages that didn't align with what I was doing, and I had to say no. And it was hard because the price looked good, the perks were good, but it didn't align with my purpose. And when you become a person of influence, when you become a transformational leader and, and people are relying on you and what you say and what you do, they're watching, you take action based off the purpose that you're creating. You might not see the fruit today, but rest assured that when you make that choice and you make that decision and it aligns with your purpose, you get a, you get a check mark in your self-confidence, your self-worth, and your self-esteem. And so the number one thing to make make decision is to know your purpose. Know why you're doing what you're doing and what the decision you have to make. Does it align with it? I get asked to go out a lot on Friday nights. The boys want to go out for drinks. They want to go to the bar. Or, hey, let's go have some drinks. Let's catch up. Very rarely do I say yes because I'm a very busy person and Friday nights are usually spent with the family, out to family dinners, um, spending time with the wife, catching up with the kids doing the things that I know I should be doing, what's required of me. And I could easily say, yeah, I'm going to go out with the boys. But subconsciously, I feel like I'm taken away from what matters the most. And so we have to prioritize. And as you go up, you're going to have to give up, right? The law of, law of sacrifice. What are you willing to sacrifice to get to the next level? And this is going to come at the decision-making level. A lot of people are making decisions in their life that aren't aligned with any principles or values or characteristics that are conducive to growth. A lot of people are making uh, decisions that don't align with any purpose and therefore they live life on accident. And so how do we do this? Let me give you some tactics. I, I shared with, um, with the lead 360 group, uh, this congruency compass. This is something that I, that I, I made and I, I structured to help me get to where I'm at and to where I'm going. And I'll share it with you on this, on this episode, because I think it'll help around the decision-making process. Uh, when you think about it, if you have a piece of paper, get get um, a pen and paper and draw a circle for a compass like you would uh, for a compass, just a circle in the middle of the paper. At the top, draw a tick mark. That would be where north would be or in if you looked at a compass. This would be the first C. This is clarity. Before you make a decision, you got to get clear on what it means to you. What, it means if, what does it mean when you do this if you say yes? And what does it mean if you say no? Because what you say yes to will run your life. And when you say yes to something, you have to say no to something else. And people, a lot of people don't realize that, that when we say yes to something, we're really saying no to somebody else or something else. And so number one is clarity. What does this mean to me? What does it mean for me? Number two is consistency. I, if I'm acting consistently in, the, in, the, in my sphere of purpose, if I'm, my actions are consistently aligned with my purpose every single day, Will saying yes to this derail my consistency? Because a lot of us get set on a path, we get going, we get motivated, we get cranked up, and what stops us is the lack of consistent action. We get distracted, we get sidetracked, we get taken away by making decisions that aren't aligned with our purpose. And so, number two is consistency. So, if you look on your on your congruency compass, where east would be, you put a C for consistency. So now you're clear on your purpose. You're taking consistent action towards your purpose. Only then with consistent effort and action will you build the confidence. So where the South is, where the S is, you put another C and that is your confidence. You see, a lot of people lack the confidence in their life because 
they aren't consistent with their behaviors. And we have to understand that in order to build confidence, we have to consistently do the things. We have to get the reps in, right? You go to the gym, you don't just do one set. You go in there and you do reps every single day, and that builds the confidence that you can, you will, and you must. And it makes sure that your confidence is built on solid ground by the consistent effort that you take. A lot of people give up after the first try, and they lose their confidence. They lose their worth. They lose their self-esteem because they're not taking consistent action. And so number three is confidence. Now, if we look on the west of that compass, where west would be, that's another C. That's your competence. A lot of people want the end result, but they don't want to pay the price. They want the perks, but they don't want to pay the price. And I have, to, I have you understand that confidence builds competence. It's the confidence-competence loop that uh, psychologists talk about. That in order to get competence, the first step is having confidence that you can actually do what it is that you want to do. Your competence is built over time by taking consistent action. And in the center of that compass is the fifth C. When you have all four of these, clarity, consistency, consistency, confidence, competence, only then will you have congruency between what you do and what your purpose is. And ultimately, that's what we're after. We're after congruency. Being congruent with the best version of ourselves, so that at the end of our life, when we're laying on that deathbed, when we're laying on our bed, taking our last breath, we take it knowing that we did everything we could to be the best version of ourselves. Because the alternate of that is to live in regret, saying that I should have done a lot more, that I could have done a lot more, that if I would have played full out and been intentional about how I show up every single day, I would have lived life on purpose and not by accident. Thank you for tuning in today. As always, if you found value in today's episode, please share it with those you lead and those you love. Also, don't forget to connect with me on social media. My Instagram is Anthony Wait Official, and on Facebook, we have a Lead 360 group where you can request access and stay up to date on the next leadership and development training happening every single month. Don't forget to be intentional and make an impact. Remember, live, learn, and lead.